Support for Luke's English Podcast comes from Audible.com, the world's top provider of downloadable audiobooks. If you'd like to try out their service and see exactly how good it is, then go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash audible, where you can start a 30-day trial, which includes the download of a free audiobook. Okay, so you can download one audiobook of your choice free as part of that 30-day trial. Okay, if you don't like the service, you can cancel and you can keep the audiobook. So it's basically a free audiobook for listeners of Luke's English Podcast. Go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash audible, or just click one of the buttons or pictures on my website that says audible. Okay, Right, now let's get started with this new episode, and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. You're now listening to part two of a conversation I had with my cousin Oliver in part one, which you should probably listen to before you listen to this. Uh, by the way, in part one, um, you heard us talking about uh, like what Oliver had been doing in the period uh, between the last time he was on the podcast and this time. And uh, so he had various difficulties and things. He talked about um, moving house in London. He talked about having uh, a scooter crash, um, which thankfully he... Uh, he kind of came away from without any serious injury, which is quite lucky, I suppose. And he talked about other things like catching a uh, a weird tropical disease by going into a lake in 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 Africa, and uh, and how that sort of um, gave him lots of sort of uh, health problems for a while. And he talked about flooding his whole um, flooding his whole house where he used to live in Tooting. So lots of difficult things. Uh, but then he um, things seemed to sort of turn around for him when he got together with his then girlfriend, his now wife, um, who he now lives with in Bristol. And that's where this conversation takes place. And uh, just at the end of part one, uh, we were talking about how um, his wife is pregnant, how they're, they're expecting a baby very soon. Uh, in fact, the baby is is it still hasn't arrived yet. Uh, it's due in 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 about a week or, or slightly less than a week. Um, so now, in this part of the conversation, in in part two, you're going to hear us talking about um, uh, being a father and also uh, Oliver's expectations, and predictions for the future. Um, and we, we start talking about wider things like, for example, what society will be like in the next 10 to 20 years as Oliver's um, uh, future daughter uh, will will be growing up. So um, in this episode, you're going to hear all the stuff about the future and lots of future predictions. As ever, and as I said in part one, um, just try to notice, as well as following the meaning of the conversation, try to notice bits of language that we're using to talk about the future. I'm not specifically teaching you things in this episode. Um, instead, I'm just kind of presenting this natural conversation to you in order to give you an opportunity to kind of connect with uh, real English uh, in context and recorded for your listening pleasure. Okay, so now let's carry on with the conversation. And uh, the the thing that had happened just before this is that uh, I had described the bedroom in which um, we were recording the episode, and it's the the, the bedroom that they'd prepared for their for their um, child. 
and um, it's it, it's a beautiful bedroom with a nice cot for the child to sleep in, and uh, a beautiful mobile which um, hangs from the ceiling. And this is um, something that Oliver had very carefully installed himself. And it's a beautiful mobile with uh, these hot air balloons hanging from the ceiling, and and a cloud and and other things. So really, really nice. Um, and so that's the scene for this um, episode. Uh, so let's now. Uh, carry on with the conversation and here it is okay good so we've kind of caught up then yeah um, with my very boring life with your with your apparently very boring life it's not that boring I think um, crashing into taxis yeah the London that that, epi- that period was <laughs> yeah. eventful Crashing into taxi, like basically, you, you nearly sort of lost your life several times. It's, da- it's sort That's of true, yeah. an Indiana Jones style existence that you had, catching <laughs> tropical diseases, smashing into the back of London cabs. Uh, what else? Flooding uh, houses. Flooding your. Could have ha- electrocuted myself. You could have easily. electrocuted yourself. You could have. You could have. Uh, the ceiling could have come down on your head. Yeah. So wait a minute. You were standing in the kitchen. You turned the light on, and the whole ceiling just came down no, onto I, the floor. I was standing in the door. You, you remember my house? In yeah, you had a doorway. The doorway between my living room and my and the kitchen, with the light next to it. So I sort of stood in the doorway, turned the light on, and as the light came on, and you could see water pouring down the actual light fitting <laughs> <laughs> onto the bulb, and just streaming off the bulb like a sort of lightning rod. Type, right, you know? right, right. And um, then it just sort of fizzled out. Yeah. And. The ceiling came in, so and I wasn't. I wasn't actually. In how the, close were you to the ceiling falling on your head? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Okay, so you 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 basically evaded death three times. Yeah. And now you've created life. So yeah. so you know. This, there you go. The circle is is complete. That's yeah. very nice. All right. But um, so I thought that on New Year's Day, with the imminent re- arrival of your your young child, that we could talk about the future. So yeah. like move away from the past and talk about the future and uh, we can have a little discussion about what we expect um, life or the world to be like for your baby daughter yeah. um, in the, you know, the first 10, 15, 20 years of her life. And so we can look at various things. Now, obviously, we aren't scientists or we're not, you know, we're not sort of like magicians or we don't have the force. We can't predict <laughs> the future. Um, yeah. Not Nostradamus. We're not Nostradamus or, or uh, you know, any of these people, or, or like uh, a weatherman uh, who, who also, <laughs> the weather people can predict the future yeah, too Yeah, that's as well. right. Yeah, they're, mag- they're magic. It's Jedis, Nostradamus and weathermen. Yeah, John Ketley. That's right. The famous British weatherman. Yeah. But so when, even though we're, we're none of those things, we're still going to attempt to sort of talk about the future in, in as uh, a coherent a way as possible. Um, so, well, what do you think, first of all, about uh, the sort of next 10, 15, 20 years then? Because like some people are a bit pessimistic. Yeah. And other people are, are optimistic. I think that you could pick any time in history and, you know, put yourself in that period and look at the world and be pessimistic about it, couldn't you? Yeah. Like, you know, go anytime. You could go, put yourself in 1960 and you think, oh, well, you know, the Cold War, uh, the world's going to get destroyed by nuclear weapons. Yeah, Vietnam. The Vietnam War is kicking off. Um, go back to, I don't know, like uh, the, the medieval time. Go back to like the uh, 10th century. Yeah. Or something like that. Is it the 10th? The, the, uh, Were the Crusades? Of, or? No, the 11th century at yeah, that time. And you, you probably think, well, you know, 
there are lots of witches and <laughs> they're evil and there's going to be a big plague in a few hundred years the world's going to end you know you know what i mean yeah yeah i think you can and i think if you look at the statistics is it not that there's less uh war and death now than there's ever been in the history of the world i i wouldn't be surprised because we've had some really i mean after the second world war there was still vietnam and cambodia and you know iraq and iran and some really horrific wars yeah and actually we've got more information than we've ever had which makes us think things are terrible yeah when actually it's a quite a peaceful time yeah in the world i know there's been sort of terrorist attacks in different places but we had the ira in britain for a long time yeah you know yeah, yeah, you know, very common to have terrorist attacks. Yeah, yeah. So, in 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 comparison to other times in the past, when we're we're not necessarily in a uh, a more violent or dangerous time than we ever have been before. Um, but um, so, what do you what do you think in terms of like? Um, let's see, we could pick a few different areas, yeah, okay. or different parts of her potential lifestyle. Um, if we talk about, for example, technology, now you work yeah. for the BBC and you're interested in television and the way in which we consume media and the way in which media is produced and things like that. Yeah. Um, now you might know a thing or two about what changes are going to happen in the next five years. Do yeah. you? I don't know. I don't. I know some maybe, but it's more about, um, I suppose, things diversifying rather than one thing superseding another. Right. So what you end up with, I think, is you you add more options and more ways of consuming media or content or video rather than things ultimately changing. So if you think about books yeah. and the radio and television and gaming and you know all those things, none of them have been superseded. They've all just coexisted. Right. And actually people's media con- time spent consuming media just keeps going up. Right. You know, people actually have one of the problems is people don't sleep enough because they're too busy consuming, you know, information and media and entertainment. Um, so I expect things to be, I think virtual reality is a, will happen mm. as a as a big kind of, because 3D didn't really take off. That was a, it's, it's happened in cinema, but it, home 3D didn't. Yeah. Um, it was a real failure. Because there were 3D TVs being sold and stuff like that, and that didn't really take off. No, Sony placed a huge bet on 3D and, and um, invested lots in marketing and in the sets and the technology, and consumers didn't you know, buy it, weren't interested, Okay, even with, the, with good content. So um, I think virtual reality with Oculus Rift and head, you know, headsets right. to be placed within an environment, particularly for gaming, yes. I think will happen... As a as another you know option, what's Oculus Rift? Oculus Rift is like a virtual reality headset. Yeah. So you can also get Google goggles. Have you seen this? I've seen Google Glass. Is it? Google yeah, Glass? yeah, yeah. Google yeah. Glass. Well, you know when you put you put your Android phone inside essentially a, a sort of cardboard uh, box kind of thing, oh, yeah. a cardboard set of glasses that you can put together. You can buy it online. You put these gar- cardboard glasses on, and you slot your Android. You phone slot your into Android the front. phone in front, and then you can move around, and you know it can be like a window on the world. So I that's a, a sort of cheap version of that Oculus Rift technology. So I, I've seen, uh, I, I guess, a couple of months ago, YouTube uh, launched this this thing, and Facebook have done it as well. Yeah, which is where they. Um, there's there are certain videos which are completely uh, 360 videos. 360 degree that's yeah. it like there, the one I saw was some some skydivers jumping off a hot air balloon actually. yeah 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 and um, you you hold the phone in front of you and if you turn to the right then everything you're viewing 
moves with you. So yeah. essentially, you get your phone is like a little window, and you can look up and you can look down, left, right, in total three hundred and sixty degrees, yeah. and you can see everything around the the cameraman at, the, at that moment. So this Oculus Rift thing is a bit like that. Instead, you but instead of looking at it through your phone, you just wear these glasses, and if yeah. you turn left, then you see more content on the left. So it's your whole field of vision, not just your phone. I yeah. see. So, so you, you kind of look up see. and down, left and right, and it's like you're completely immersed yeah. in a 360-degree world, up, down, left, right, and, and so on. Yeah. So this is. do you think this is going to take off? Yeah, I do. I do. But it's, I mean, people still like to sit, lean back. You know, you have lean back and lean forward experiences, they say. Really? Yeah. What's, what's a lean back and a lean forward? A lean forward? back is a passive experience where you're watching drama, probably, uh-huh. um, and you're not interacting. You're just sort of consuming. Okay. And a lean forward experience is where you're interacting and um, taking part. So you're fully engaged and yeah, involved so, in the decision-making process and stuff. That's lean forward. Yeah. So if you imagine if you're playing a PlayStation, All right. you're kind of probably leaning forward on the edge of your couch yeah. playing it. Whereas if you're watching a movie, you're probably leaning back. Yes, you know, in your couch. Okay. So it's. I think virtual reality will become quite significant, um, and more so probably for communicating. So it's FaceTime or Skype. Okay. Where you want to, you know, it's it's better than travel. Well, not sorry, not better, but it's cheaper and easier than traveling. You can communicate with people all over the world and feel mm-hmm. like you're in the same room. So for Valentina, yeah, who will be a. Um, She'll have quite an international family. Yeah, because she's got. She'll have family in Peru. She'll have family in the United States, and she'll have family in uh, in the UK, yeah. and some family in France. In pa- family in Paris, yeah. yeah. You and Christelle, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. All right. So, uh, do you imagine then Valentina to be sitting there, um, like watching, like I don't know, some TV show um, in w- with a pair of goggles on? Well, I mean, how how will she be watching TV with goggles on? Is that something? see? I still think that's that's going to be for a specific thing like gaming, yeah, or skyping, where you'll do that. But actually, people want to do several things at once, right? And if you have goggles on, you're actually fully submerged in one activity. Yes, that's one of the reasons 3D didn't take off because people don't want to have glasses on watching a telly. They want to be on their phone looking at telly talking to friends making a cup of tea you know right. all these things at once and anything that restricts your activities is less attractive i see but um so i don't think i think i think life will be fairly similar but she'll do a few extra things we don't really do so every now and then if she skypes with her family in the united states she'll stick on the goggles yeah and essentially it'll be like sitting at a table and she'll have all of her family and friends sitting around the table she might be you, in the room yeah you'll be in the room or, or so everyone will go into like a virtual reality room I suppose it depends who's sort of hosting. You could have it in, they could enter your room or you could enter theirs. Oh, right. So would it be possible then for her to just enter a real room? No, no. I think there will be a 360 camera in some, in her parents' house or. Yeah. And um, I put it to her grandparents' house in Atlanta. Yeah. And so she put the goggles on, she would suddenly be in that room and they would be there. And she. So they wouldn't be wearing goggles, but she would. So they would stick a 360 degree camera on the table. And essentially, when she put the goggles on, she would be from the viewpoint of that 360-degree camera. Yeah, well, it's probably going to be in, in their f- smartphone or something, but yeah. Right, right, I see. So she'd be able to like look around, and they would be talking to the camera, and she would see everything that... Uh, I, okay, I don't really know how it would work, but maybe they would all wear goggles. To, I don't know, it's complicated. No, I think, they, I think you, if you're the one who's entering their room, you would be the one wearing goggles, but I maybe... See. I see. Okay. Um, All right. So maybe anyway, that's total speculation. Yeah, but that's what I imagine. That's what I imagine the technology. But when I did a um, 
a dissertation once about, uh, you know, Marshall McLuhan? He's the guy who was a sort of media studies professor and he, yeah. he wrote that famous line, which is the medium is the message. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he, had, he had another, one of his um, kind of, uh, is it maxim? I don't know if that's the right word. But Maybe. Um, phrase, he, like well-known phrase. Or, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Uh, was that um, technologies are just an extension of man, is what he said. Uh-huh. So everyone expects new technologies to change our very nature kind of thing. Right. So you think, what will the internet do to mankind? And, yeah. you know, yeah. and what he said was, it never changes us. We just, it's just an expression of ourselves. Okay. It's just an extension of who we are. So, you know, a car is just a better pair of legs and uh, a gun is a better fist and right. you know, all those things. Yeah. And um, so in the same way that the internet or smartphones or technology, technology will just allow us to maybe emphasize certain elements that are already there but really it won't i don't think it'll change us okay. she's valentina will, will be uh, this is the this is her name so yeah will be um latin ines is very <laughs> very uh um committed to making sure she has uh, she she's in touch with her latin roots yeah and that means family values a lot of communication and talking it's quite an oral culture mm-hmm. um so I think whatever technology she has will just help her express that character she already has. So she'll be like the full-on sort of future Latin, yeah, exactly. future South American, like talking a lot and and not letting the, the geography get in the way, Yeah, but using the technology to, to express that Latin culture that she's going to have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's very interesting. Um, now, what about, uh, what do you, how do you imagine she'll be traveling around? in the future um i don't know it's funny so if we if she has quite an international family i think tra- air travel has, has increased hasn't it there's a lot more I'm, travel I'm now i'm sure air travel has increased yeah, yeah and it's so. got cheaper and more convenient and, yeah. and they've reduced the costs so uh, i would expect her to do quite a lot of traveling because we'll split our time where, where we end up we don't yet know you might yeah. be in the uk you might be in new york or something yeah exactly we, we don't know. yeah we'd yeah. quite like to go to new york actually for a while that'd yeah. be quite exciting that would be amazing and that would then be just an hour and a half flight from her family yeah, and yeah. also not that difficult to get to London to see my family. Right. So um, we may end up there, but wherever we are, we will be separate from our family. So we'll we'll end up travelling quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So I think she'll be well travelled. She's already in quite often says she's already travelled to Morocco for your wife's Hindu. That's right. When Ines was pregnant. When Ines was pregnant, she's also gone to Atlanta and Florida and Finland. Yeah. And uh, Paris. Right. So she's already travelled quite a lot and she's not even been born yet. Right, right, right. So um, I think she'll travel a lot. So there'll be a lot of travelling going on and, you know, international travel as well as local travel because I suppose she'll be doing things like studying, going to school and whatever. Yeah. Um, but how will she be travelling, do you think? Do you, do you think that there'll be big differences? Because we know that... Uh, Air travel is actually very, um, it, it uses up a lot of fuel yeah. and uh, we might not be able to do that so easily. Like nowadays, yes, you know, we have the resources to be able to travel by air a lot, but who knows in 15 years that might become less possible. Um, it might become more more expensive because of scarce resources and taxes on fuel and yeah. things. That's true. That's true. I don't know. But then maybe that's where her, her imaginary virtual reality headset comes in. Right. Um, yeah, but I would expect her to be quite well travelled. Do you think that there will be new technologies that will allow us to travel using less energy? Yeah, I think um, the Google Car stuff will happen. What, what's what's Google Car then? Um, I had to do some 
you know, I'm doing an MBA. We have to do a presentation on this as a sort of new thing to market, a marketing presentation. Right. So as well as doing, as well as having a daughter and working at the BBC, you're doing an MBA, which is a master's in business administration. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Really heavy uh, master's course in business, basically. Yeah. So one of the projects you had to do was about the Google car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you should know. But we were just trying to market it, and that, that means we were just trying to work out who would be the target consumer and how you would position it and all that kind mm. of stuff. But um, but so we did some research into it just as it happens, and it's it really does look like it's taking off. But it's essentially it's, you know bit by bit, cars are becoming more and more automated. Yeah. And um, so well, there's things like automatic parking, where you press a button and it automatically parallel parks for you. Brilliant. Exactly, yeah. Especially in Bristol, which isn't crazy for parking. Yeah. Um, so there's little things that are becoming more, and you have cruise control, and but but over time, the Google Car staff is trying to um, basically automate car driving. So you basically sit down, you press a button, and the, the car goes... Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Thompson. Where would you like to go today? Where would you like to go today, Mr. Thompson? And he said, I'd like to go to the gym. And then the car just Would drive. that be your regular gym, Mr. Thompson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, have you packed your towel, Mr. Thompson? <laughs> yeah. um, and then the car drives you to You're the gym. You're looking fat, Mr. Thompson. Are you sure you'd want to go to the restaurant and not the gym? So the car becomes evil, doesn't it? Like, uh, yeah, that's another question. At what point is this technology going to become evil? Because if you watch any Hollywood film, there's yeah. always a moment at which the technology reaches a certain level of advancement and it yeah. decides for no good reason just to become evil. Do you think that technology is going to become evil? No, I don't. I think people are good and bad and technology just is a reflection of that. Right. So it depends whose hands the technology is in. That's why I do think... Um, you know, all the CCTV and monitoring of people's movements and data is is dangerous because you can use that for all sorts of quite um, Machiavellian yeah purposes. Like you know, with basically nowadays with our smartphones and everything, uh, so much of our data is available. Like for example, just if you have uh, an iPhone with the Facebook app, yeah. messaging messaging app. Um, I noticed something recently, right? Yeah. That Facebook ads, the ads I, I see on Facebook, started to sell me something that I took a photograph of. Wow. So I took a photograph of this this thing in a shop, yeah. and then Facebook is trying to sell me that thing. That's really scary. And and uh, Facebook, basically, when I uh, you know uh, installed it on my device, um, one of the things that it has access to is my camera yeah your photos yeah yeah and like you know these days when you go onto the facebook app it gives you a lot of your photos there and just with one single click you could publish them these are photos that are just on my camera roll yeah not photos i've uploaded to facebook but the app finds those photos and within the app it shows me them and says would you like to publish these photos and like no i no i don't yeah so the app can see all my photos even if I don't publish them on Facebook, yeah. it still sees them. Yeah, yeah. And so it uses those photos to sell me stuff. And also, I've heard this as well, that the Messenger app, the Facebook Messenger app, has access to all of my text messages and it has access to my microphone. See, that's what I've heard. That's the scary thing. Yeah. And because it has access to my microphone, it's listening, maybe not just to my calls, it could be now. I'm not sure if it. I'm not sure, but it's maybe a bit of paranoia. But it could be listening to my conversations. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's, I've heard is that if you t- discuss certain things, 
that can pop up in adverts. Yeah. Which is really quite like scary. It's, the, the technology is definitely there now. It could definitely be listening to us talk. Yeah. Uh, when your phone is just on the table, it could definitely be listening to us. I don't know if it is uh, or if it's just listening to our, our conversations on the telephone or if it's just listening to our voice conversations on Facebook Messenger calls. Yeah. But it definitely has the capability of doing that. Also, the camera, not just when it's taking photos, but if the camera's, you know, if if certain applications have access to your camera, they might be able to see through your phone. And also, um, as well as that, obviously, whenever you log into your phone, you use the uh, fingerprint technology yeah. uh, so that you can easily get into your phone without having to press the, 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 the That's true, actually. Code. Apple will have everybody's thumbprint. Apple's got everyone's thumbprints. Yeah, a lot of people. And they've got pictures of our faces. They've got as much information as your passport. They've got as much information about you as... Uh, the customs control of the country. Far more, actually. Yeah, more Far information more. than 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 um, than your host nation, than, than the country where you have your passport registered. Apple and Facebook know more about you than the government does. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of think, well, at the moment, we've agreed that we'll give them that information because they're giving us these services and in return, we'll give them certain information which they can sell to advertisers. And what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to try and sell me a pair of shoes that I looked at on Amazon. Yeah. And, and that's the worst that it's going to get. But all it would take is for, I don't know why, I don't know why it would happen, but it, um, just a couple of geopolitical shifts. And next thing you know, the people who run these companies might want to, use our information for other purposes yeah or they could blackmail you by saying we know you've been messaging this person or looking at these pictures or yeah. doing things which you think were innocent by yourself not you know i don't know who knows what's going to happen in the, in the next 50 years there could be some sort of international conflict which could involve using the technology against us or something mm-hmm. who knows but that's that's a little bit worrying i suppose that's true but i still think that's people not the technology mm. yeah yeah behind yeah, yeah. it you know yeah and I think people become more sophisticated quite quickly and wiser to it. Mm. And bit by bit, you get, I know, the more targeted you are with the advertising, it becomes, in some ways, it can be less productive. Yeah. Because you're seeing stuff. So it's like, like you say, I took a picture, I knew I wanted that. And now you're advertising it. It's, I don't know. It seems that it doesn't surprise you, so you just ignore it. The I, amount of adverts I see from Ines, my wife, looking at furniture, really? clothes, yeah endlessly seeing these so shared devices is quite a good way around it maybe i find well. google ads to be rubbish like yeah. genuinely laughably bad i'll give you an example right i uh, earlier this year i bought a pair of trainers a pair of adidas trainers uh, i bought the trainers had them delivered to my to my flat and then you know started using them and then for a couple of months after that Every time I went onto the internet, they were trying to sell me the trainers that I'd already bought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, it just doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Like, people get scared that uh, all this technology is going to be used against us. But so many times, it's just it's just rubbish. It just doesn't work. Yeah. And, uh, and it fails, and uh, it's incompetent. Like, the adverts that Google sends to me, they're so... They so don't understand me. Yeah. They really have no idea what I'm inter- interested in or what I like. I think that they're 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 way off the mark. Yeah. In fact, and I never ever ever click on any Google ads. Yeah, I haven't either. That's true. I don't think. I've, yeah, I can't think of an internet advert I've ever clicked on and gone through to mm-hmm. buy anything. Yeah, yeah. Even like uh, sponsored ads on Google search results, I always ignore them all and I go for the the proper results. Yeah. So I don't know. 
I think there's a lot of incompetence as well out there still. Yeah. And uh, a lot of this advanced technology is still being used really badly. Yeah. And, you know, they're still struggling basically to just get our money and they, they, they it's not really working that well. Yeah, but you are getting, if you think about how, what amazing services you're getting for free that yeah. used to cost a lot of money. That's why they say the the iPhone or the smartphone is the biggest disruptor in kind of history because it just disrupted so many different markets. When you say disruptor? Well, it disrupted the camera market. You know, no one buys maps anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, music, publishing or listening. Uh, loads of different industries that it just sort of covered mm. and, and gave you for free in many ways as long as you gave some information. Yeah. Um, like, so the, back to the Google car thing. Yeah, You know, people, there's extra data there about physically where you are at any given moment, which I suppose you could have anyway. But, you know, how frequently you go to certain destinations, it would tell them and, you know, what you liked about it and, you know, what you were talking about in the car. I don't know, there's all sorts of things that would... So the car would would not just be driving you to your destination, but it would be collecting data about you and giving that to Google, which Google would then be selling to the gym or something so that the gym... Yeah, or to the advertised boardings that would tailor to you as you drove past right right i don't know yeah radio ads could be anything so do you think then that we will uh, how will google cars work that you'll get in the car and it'll just drive you how does it work is it based on like magnetic lines on the roads or no it's just got a uh, so the the, what we we did this project lots of things are it goes quite slowly at the moment yeah but as long as it's got a 3d map of the environment it can just drive quite happily and it knows where other things are so you have a kind of radar thing so those other things are in relation to the car, but the trouble is that when you're a human driver, you can quite you can see things like is that person about to step into the road? Yes. You know, is that bike going to turn left or right? Is that a cat or is it just a football on the side of the road? Or yeah. and little things which it can't quite tell. Is it you know whether it's a moving thing or an inanimate object or right? Um, so it's got quite a long way to go. But the more of these, so you were talking about transport and, and um, cost and everything else. But if everything was automated, you think how efficient that would be. Yeah. Where you just wouldn't get traffic jams of people, you know, stabbing the brakes or trying to go too quickly to overtake people because it would all just be a nicely efficient kind of right. machine so of cars flowing around. It would work so much better. Yeah. Okay. And you wouldn't necessarily need your own car. You would just step out and, you know, you'd have much more shared cars. You'd just get to a greater sense of efficiency. I'll tell you how you would stop the Google car, though. Is all you need to do is walk around with one of those, you know, those umbrellas that have got all the different colors of the rainbow. Yeah, like uh, which I've got here. Yeah, you got a, you've got an umbrella with all the rainbow colors. Yeah, on. like from our wedding. Remember, all you the... need to do is stand in front of a Google car and just spin one of those umbrellas, and you could stop any technology. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happens in Google, isn't it? Or, or a big hourglass and keep spinning it. Yeah, just turning it just over. Take a big hourglass and just just hold it in front of uh, any computer. Yeah. Like you know, when the robots try and attack us, yeah. you just be, could be armed with two weapons. One is the um, the spinning umbrella or a beach of, ball. of death or a beach ball, yeah. and the other thing is an hourglass. And you just those would be your weapons of defense <laughs> that could stop any robot. Um, so, all right. So possibly when she's just like going to college or something, she might get an Uber, and it will be yeah, an auto like Uber. That. Yeah. Um and uh but what about international travel? Do you think that they'll be doing that space stuff where instead of traveling, you know, uh within the atmosphere, you get launched up into space and then back down again and it's like a much quicker way of getting from A to Maybe. B. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um I think everything you know, technology is just improving so rapidly. I can't believe that it won't become more efficient and Mm. and therefore sort of cheaper as well. hope so. I hope they can fix the energy situation. 
yeah and work out how to use solar energy and stuff i saw this sort of viral video on youtube a while ago which was all about solar powered roadways have you seen that oh, i have seen that in um, some scandinavian country or it? or in the states as well i yeah. don't know quite where it's being developed but the idea is that uh, someone some clever uh, inventor has come up with um these panels these sort of like paving stones yeah which fit together individually and they form roadways but the paving stones are also solar panels. Yeah. And so the idea is that you replace all of the roadways in your country with these solar panels and you connect it directly to the national grid. Yeah. And they predict that these roadways, if there are enough of them, could replace all other forms of, um, of, of power uh, production. So all of the fossil fuel production and nuclear production, yeah. everything else could be replaced by solar-powered roadways because then the, the amount of road that there is and the, the amount of electricity that can be produced by one of these panels uh, with certain amounts of daytime, daylight every day, they calculate that they could it could replace everything. Yeah. Um, and there are other things as well, like the fact that because they're individual panels, if there's a, a problem, if one of them breaks, you can replace it really easily. Yeah. You don't have to dig up the whole road. You can just replace each one. And the other thing is that the roadways, uh, that each panel has LEDs built in. Yeah. So these are like you know light emitting diodes or little light bulbs in them, and so what you get there is uh, 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 light on the road, yeah. and so you get lines and uh, street markings in the yeah. form of lights on the roadways. So you get this Tron style futuristic yeah. light roads. <laughs> uh, they sound amazing. I don't know if there's a problem with them or a reason why they're That'll never going to happen. Won't it? And yeah. also it depend on the the. Um like in Bristol, that wouldn't be very helpful because you did you don't actually have daylight. <laughs> yeah, as far as I can tell, it's mostly raining. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely. I read I read about that too. But I, did, I thought they were struggling to be a very efficient in terms of converting light into electricity. But possibly, yeah. Um, maybe that's the future. Yeah. Also, there are other things like corporate interests. Like you can't just replace fossil fuels that easily. No. Because a company like BP or any of these huge oil companies, they're not going to just roll over and die. No, but also car companies and people who manufacture planes, and there is yeah. huge, huge industries, aren't they, as you say? And these these corporations are some of the most powerful groups in the world, and they're not just going to let other companies come in and replace their business. Mm. So there's a chance that, um, uh, yeah, even if there is the technology there, it might not. Be re- might not replace the existing stuff that easily. I saw a clip from The Simpsons recently. It's really funny. Yeah, and um, it's it's like a just a, a thirty second clip, and it was taking place at some sort of energy conference, and there are kind of um, uh, booths with different energy companies, you know, presenting their 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 stuff. And there's like the you know the oil company and the gas company or whatever, and then there's like a solar power company in their one booth. And you know that yeah. character called Hans Mole Man. You know the Mole Man. He's like this little guy, this kind of weak little old man character. Yeah. And he's the guy who's working in the solar powered uh, booth. Yeah. And there's some shady looking kind of secret service looking guy in a suit and sunglasses going. So uh, these uh, solar powers really work. Uh, the solar panels really work, huh? And the, the the mole man's like, yeah, they do work. And and he goes, well, um, uh, good luck with that. And he karate chops him on the back of the neck and he passes out. And then he kind of goes like that and uh, 
points to these two extra ser- uh, Secret Service guys and brings them over, and they really quickly replace the solar power uh, booth with like a you know fossil fuel uh, oh, yeah, yeah, booth. Yeah. They just basically kill you know knock him out and replace it with uh, something else. So that's a sort of conspiracy theory kind of thing that's uh, um, uh, the existing superpowers of uh, you know the the energy companies might not let new technology come in. Um, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting to see. So um, let's see. In terms of language, yeah. w- what language do you think that Valentina is going to be speaking? Well, English, I imagine. English and Spanish. Yeah. In, I mean, I need to improve my Spanish a lot, but I can learn with her to some extent, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. But Ines is very keen that she speaks Spanish. And right. Her whole family speaks Spanish. And it's, and it's really, I mean, if you speak Spanish and English, you have a lot of the world covered. Yeah. Um, especially Latin America. So um, she'll speak those two. And um, fr- French as well, probably. Really, yeah? Because we'll travel there quite a lot. You speak French, don't you? Yeah, and I really like France. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. Okay. What about Chinese? No. Really? I, I think that's a myth that everyone's going to start speaking Chinese. I think the Chinese want to speak English, probably. Mm-hmm. You might speak Mandarin, but it's so hard to become really proficient in that language. Especially since the Chinese have got such a big head start on us yeah. in terms of learning English. Yeah. Like, the, you know, they've been learning English for years and they've got like a whole learning English infrastructure and they all listen to Luke's English podcasts. So. Well, there's, that's it. That's why they're so proficient. Exactly. So maybe the rest of the world isn't going to be learning Chinese, but... I don't know. know. Do you think so? I've never really... I've really always sure. thought that's a bit of a strange they say they say that something like within 40 50 years uh, english will be on the way out and chinese will come really in. yeah do you not think technology will just auto translate a lot of possibly yeah you know it start to make a lot of that kind of thing redundant yeah a technology is making big steps in in language i mean you only need to look at google translate or uh, yeah google translate which is amazing because you can now use google translate to uh, just instantly convert any printed language into oh, another yeah. language yeah would you take a picture or yeah you you it uses the camera in yeah. the phone and let's say for example there's a note a sign on the wall and it's written in in french for example yeah you uh in you know start in the uh, google translate app you you open the camera and you select which language you want it to translate to yeah. and you hover it you point it at the picture on the wall and it will within the the camera app change the language from french to english on the sign on the sign so no if you way. look at the it's sign, like a little window that changes if you look at the sign through your camera yeah it will be in english i'm gonna do that and on the I've wall got, we've got a spanish book over there i'm gonna try it yeah that's yeah, amazing yeah. it's absolutely incredible yeah so, so there you go so maybe that's more how it'll yeah and maybe there'll be instant translation applications too yeah. which will be like the the Babel fish exactly, yeah. in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book, which is like this little yellow fish. And it's quite funny, the Babel fish, because, well, first of all, it's this little yellow fish and you put it in your ear and it instantly translates any language into your own language. Yeah. Um, and secondly, the thing about the Babel fish is that it, 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 it disproves the existence of God because the Babel fish um, is a naturally occurring phenomenon in this in this book. And the idea is that if there's something that's, um, proves that God exists so efficiently that means that well because uh, proof destroys faith therefore 
you know, uh, it, because it's so perfect, it re- it removes the necessi- necessity for having faith in religion. Yeah. Since that leap of faith is the whole basis of religion, the Babel fish sort of like cancels that out and therefore God becomes redundant and disappears in a, in a logic loop. <laughs> anyway, you have to read the book again. It's uh, a good book. You bought me that book, actually. Yeah, it's a great Hitchhiker's book. Hitchhiker's Guide. It's up there, I the think. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You got it on the wall here? No, I think it's on the a, shelf? In, that, in that shelf up there. Yeah, The Hitchhiker's yeah, Guide are. to yeah. the Galaxy by Douglas Adams, yeah. which is available on audible.com. Is there, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. The audiobook version is read out by Stephen Fry. Is it? He'd, be, he'd do a good uh, he's, he's the perfect person to, to do it. Um, yeah. Anyway, so... Um, so you think that she'll be speaking English and uh, Spanish and a bit of French, uh, but no Chinese. What about her accent? I think, oh, that's a good question. It depends where she grows up. Yeah? Yeah, I think she'll probably have an American accent. You think she's going to grow up in the United States? I think, I don't know. I don't know where we're going to end up. I'm at a crossroads. Okay. So we could we could leave here fairly soon, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, we'll see. Are you going to let her have a mobile phone? Like at what at what point will you let her have a smartphone? Um, oh, I don't know. Actually, actually, have a phone that's connected rather than a sort of tablet. Yeah, like a, a when phone she, that she can use to make calls and go on the internet and yeah. Facebook and stuff like that. But do you know what? I was talking to my niece Daisy, who's ten. Yeah. Um, this Christmas, and she, I was saying, um, "Have you got Facebook?" She, oh, she said, "We're not allowed Facebook until we're 13. I said, is that, I said, whose rule is that? You know, where does that come from? And she said, just everybody knows that. <laughs> I th- well, I think Facebook only allows, Facebook has an age limit. Does it? Yeah, kids can't go on Facebook. Okay, but also an email address, she was saying. I think schools also have a, a limit that you shouldn't have any sort of connectivity until you're 13. Okay. Um, but having said that, Inessa's niece is all, you know, Snapchat and all the rest of it. Um so I think she'll have a tablet, but I don't think we'll give her a connected phone until she's 12 or 13, probably. Okay. All right, then. Um, so let's see. Because I mean, uh, you can FaceTime, can't you, and, and FaceTime audio? Because Angelina, her goddaughter, who's about six, yeah. she FaceTimes in S sometimes. It's just hilarious. Really? What are you doing? <laughs> this little <laughs> tiny girl FaceTiming her. But so you can use the, the, the phone as a sort of um, iPod touch. But I don't think we'd give her an actual phone. Okay. All right, yeah. then. Um, now you're into music and and you play guitar. Do you expect Valentina to be a musical child? Yes. So, I don't know. There's th- things I think are, that have afforded me a lot of pleasure. Yeah. Have been music, um, sport, and speaking another language. Right. And I think if she can do all those three three things, it'll give her. It opens up a lot of opportunity. Even at the same time. Yeah. Potentially, she could. She could. Um, she could sing something in French. While playing football? Yeah. Whilst sort of, I don't know, doing squats. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you going to sort of instill the love of music into her? Because um, what happens with some kids is that their parents really want them to be musical and they force them to have piano lessons. And then from then on, the kids, because they feel forced into playing music, they reject music and and uh, it doesn't work out what do you think about that are you going to try and force her to play no music? but i did that was i had that you know i was forced to play piano when i was 6 and i really really hated it i mean looking back and seeing now what 6 year olds are like because my nieces and nephews i mean yeah. they, that's such a young age right you yeah, know, 6 is so young to sit there and try and work just that focus on it i know that you know 
some people can, but I, I just wasn't, didn't have the right uh, sort of attitude. Yeah. So um, I, and then I discovered guitar aged 11 and just absolutely fell in love with it and couldn't stop playing and that's all I wanted to do. So I would like her to discover that herself. But I think if you play music around your kids and you listen to music and talk about it and I think that inevitably instills an interest. Right. And um, I also think with kids, there's certain things that if you just see it happening and your parents doing it, it sort of demystifies it and right. makes you feel like um, it's a, it's it's uh, something you yourself could do. So I just see my sisters now, like Vic. She never did. She was never really into sport at all when she was a kid, but now she's really into running. And my parents, as you know, are always were always into jogging and running and stuff. And yeah. just if, if that she hadn't seen that happening, it would always be this slightly uh, sort of other. I don't know. It would be a slightly unattainable thing. But but seeing your parents doing it just meant that she could see that it was possible. Yeah, mentally. You just make a connection think, oh yeah, that's something that I could do if I wanted to. Right. You know? So you think the good way to encourage Valentina to be musical is just to play music to her? I think so. Play music around her. And I'm, I'm, I've got a, um, there's a book up there actually, the, the Chester Book of Nursery Rhymes, which Ines got me for Christmas. Very nice. Which is just a little guitar chords to various nursery rhymes. So you're gonna you're gonna sing to her, yeah, to get her to like sleep. my dad did and your dad probably did yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. And what about bedtime stories? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, oh, we're gonna yeah. enjoy that. I can't wait to read bedtime stories to my kid when I, yeah. when I eventually have a kid. Okay, so that's nice. So you'll play the guitar to her and read her stories and things. And I'll, Lovely. I'll give her the option of learning a, a, an instrument, mm. and I'll, I would you know encourage her, but I wouldn't sort of force her and smack her on the wrist if she didn't do right. a piano practice you know and just have instruments around because i remember yeah. i picked up music not because i'd been asked or told to do it by my parents but because we had like ukuleles in the house yeah and i used to i learned how to play you taught me a few chords on a ukulele Did the I? first thing i learned in any music i think before well, I, I think done, maybe yeah. before i started playing the piano i think yeah. you taught me like three chords on a ukulele and i played that um, maybe that was after the piano I don't know but I remember that we had keyboards we had like, yeah. these cheap little Casio keyboards and I learned to play like different theme tunes on the keyboards you know I learned yeah. to play the, mu- the the music from Postman Pat <laughs> yeah. you know like that sort of thing yeah. I kind of got into playing the keyboard and then I was the one who came to my mum and dad and said I want to play the piano yeah um, and you were good actually I remember I was always kind of jealous that you just focused and, and picked it up really quickly whereas I just had struggled I, I think it's because it. it was my choice that I wanted yeah. to do it and so that made all the difference so I guess if you just sort of like ha- make the conditions possible yeah. like have the instruments around even cheap little toy ones and like kind of in- give the kid the option because it's like if you want your friend to be into music if you've got an album that you really love and you want your friend to get into it you don't I've learned that you shouldn't say, oh, you're going to love this album. It's amazing. You've got to listen to it. And you kind of like keep telling them to listen to it. They won't listen to it. Yeah. Instead, you've got to like find another way of allowing them to discover it for themselves. So you just yeah. like give them the tape and then shut up about it. Yeah. And if they discover it, then they'll, then they'll get into it because people love music when they feel like they've discovered it themselves. I yeah. find. Yeah. And if they, if they respect the person who's recommended it, like right. you're always, you're a good recommender of music because you've got, you know, good taste in a wide variety of, you've got, you know, great general knowledge about it. But I, I, I think if you, yeah, you need to pique someone's interest. You know, you tell them yeah. a story or, um, you know, some backstory to something rather than saying it's brilliant or you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. You just tell them a little something that makes it interesting. 
Yeah. There's yeah. some really good David Attenborough, you know, Desert Island Discs, which you, you did a sort of podcast. Yeah, we, we um, called it Marooned With My Music. Yeah, Marooned With My Music, which but is a good title as well. David Attenborough did a, a, a Desert Island Discs, did he? Yeah. David, and, David, David Attenborough is, by the way, everybody, that BBC natural history uh, presenter. He's the man who speaks like this. Here... <laughs> Here in the water in northern Canada is a very strange looking creature. It's a beaver. That 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 <laughs> yeah. one. That's David Attenborough. Yeah, and he's a he's a um but he's a really interesting guy who's got a very long and sort of varied career in television as well as natural history and he's amazing, wildlife. Isn't he? Yeah, he's a really amazing and he's a really amazing communicator, really explains stuff really clearly and and he's someone who who piques your interest you know sparks Definitely. your interest but anyway on this he was one of the questions to him was you know where did you get this you know passion for the natural world and why were you because all his his brother was richard attenborough who was the you know film directed direct- gandhi and film director yeah he did gandhi and he also played uh, the professor in uh, jurassic park jurassic park yeah that's richard attenborough David Attenborough. Dickie Attenborough. Dickie yeah. Attenborough. Yeah. Richard, uh, David Attenborough's brother. But anyway, David Attenborough's... So the very high-achieving family is kind of what the, what he was, what the interviewer was saying, I think. Mm. And he was saying his, his father um, didn't say to him, didn't sort of lecture him on things. He would say, um, you know, when they were looking at fossils or something, he would say, isn't this... Inc- what do you think of this? How do you think this got in here? Isn't that incredible? What, why do you think... And he would ask him questions. He said he had parents who were always asking him what he thought of things and always was emphasizing how surprising things were to him which then made him a curious person which then made him right learn and I'm, i don't that was just the way that they were rather than them strategically trying to you know make him curious but yeah. he was saying he always remembered when he cracked open a fossil and his his father said to him just think you're the first person to see that for you know 50 million years the first yeah. pair of eyes to have looked upon this creature for 50 million years isn't that incredible you know and um so i think that's how you you know peak an interest is just by saying don't you think that's fascinating or how do you think that happened or why yeah asking them <laughs> questions allowing them to come up with the answer themselves yeah. rather than just telling them the answer exactly it's far less satisfying when someone has just told you the answer it's yeah. a lot better when you come to the answer yourself yeah so with the music thing yeah just sort of allowing the conditions to be there so that she could explore music and discover it for herself yeah um Absolutely. And Ines is, is really keen on sport and music and um, as well. She's keen that our children have uh, get involved. Yeah, okay. All right then. Um, so actually, you've got your guitar here. Um, could you play something for us so we can imagine what it's like for, for your daughter in the future when you're going to be playing the guitar? Can you just play a little bit? Because you do play quite well. In the, in the early hours of the morning when you, she's struggling to sleep. When she's struggling yeah. to sleep, you might get the guitar and, and play something to kind of lull her back to sleep again. Yeah. So why don't you play a little piece to us to end this episode? Okay. All right? Okay, so all right, he's got the guitar. So here we go. Start again.
Very nice. There you go. Okay, right. Well, that's uh, that's pretty much the end of this episode. Thanks very much for talking to me. You're welcome. Nice to catch up. Yeah, nice to be uh, nice to have you on the podcast again. All right then. Well, uh, I'll be I'll speak to you again soon. I'm sure. But uh, you know, good luck with the arrival of Valentina. Thank you. You will next time. We'll um, we can do a catch up on what she's like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Let's yeah. go. Okay, all right then. Well, thanks very much, and uh, I'll speak to everyone very soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody. It's Luke here, just adding a bit of extra stuff at the end of the jingle. Um, how was that conversation with Oliver? Did you manage to understand everything? I expect it's easier for you to understand me than it is to understand Oliver for several reasons. One of those reasons is that um, you're just more familiar with my voice. And secondly, I think that Oliver speaks quite fast generally. In fact, if at times you don't understand everything he says, then don't worry, that's kind of normal. In fact, when I speak to Oliver normally, I don't understand some of the things he says, because he speaks too quickly. In our conversation there, I mean, he was, he wasn't speaking too quickly, but sometimes in just general conversation when we're out and about doing things, talking, sometimes I don't catch everything he says and I have to ask him to repeat. And it's not just me. Other people have said that too. He does speak fairly quickly. He's quite a sharp-minded person. And if you are, if you're sort of doing something together, then he tends to kind of speak rather fast. Um, so that might account for why some of you may have found it difficult to understand everything he said. Generally speaking, I think he speaks well. His accent is like mine, really. It's kind of received pronunciation. It doesn't have a particularly strong regional accent. Um, but he does speak a little bit fast at times. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you understood enough to be able to, um, in, and to just to be able to follow what we're saying and, and things like that. Um, there was so much in that conversation and so much that I could exploit from it. I mean, so much language that could be taken out of it. I could, and I maybe might, uh, do another episode as a sort of follow-up to that, just where I pick apart the language and things like that and explain some of the things you heard and go over them again. And also, just the language of describing the future is very rich. There's loads of stuff that I could do on that. So as ever, there are just tons and tons of ideas that I have that I could do for other episodes. It's all a question of time um, and all a question of sort of whether I can sort of afford to, to, to spend time doing that. And, I'm, you know, as ever, I'm working on ways of, of trying to bring you more material in a kind of um, uh, an achievable, profitable way for, for me. Anyway, anyway, the, the main reason why I'm recording this bit of audio in post-production here um, after the jingle. The main reason I'm talking to you now is because I just wanted to let you know that since I published this episode last week, um, Oliver has become a proud father. Um, so yes, Valentina, his daughter, was born just yesterday. Um, I'm recording this sort of after uh, I originally posted this audio. So the audio has been up on the website for about a week or something, and I'm now adding this afterwards, okay? So this is just like an update a week later after publication. Valentina has been born. Oliver is, is a father, uh, and him and his wife are both absolutely delighted that their first baby has been born. Um, and uh, 
I, I'm glad to let you know that both mother and baby are well. Uh, they're currently just resting um, and just recovering and stuff, but uh, apparently they're both fine. And according to Oliver, the baby is not only fit and healthy, but also she's perfect. Um, so that's nice, isn't it? There's a new Thompson in the world. Um, as if there weren't enough already. I mean, there's there's loads of Thompsons already in the world, but now there's another one. Um, and uh, I can't wait to meet her. Um, in fact, I think we're going to go and visit them again soon, maybe even at the weekend, so that we can actually visit Valentina and see Oliver and his wife Ines and just sort of like be there with them and share that moment. Um, so maybe one day in the future when Valentina's grown up and she's speaking, maybe I'll have Valentina on the podcast at some point. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Um, so anyway, if you would like to congratulate Oliver and his wife Ines, then you can leave a comment under the episode on the page for this episode at teacherluke.co.uk. Just, you can find it. It's episode, what? what's the number of this episode? Um, hold on a second. This is episode 326. So you could find episode 326 in the episode archive on my website, and then you could leave a comment, um, and uh, or even just send me an email, and then I can pass on the message to the proud parents. And I'm sure that they would both be absolutely delighted. It's amazing to think that a whole new chapter has just opened up in their lives. It is. It is amazing. All right, that's enough cheese now. That's it's enough cheese, I think. But however, if you do like a bit of cheese and you're you're wondering what to say when congratulating someone who's had a baby, maybe you want to write a message to Oliver. Maybe you don't. Maybe maybe you uh, you couldn't care less. I don't know. But some of you might want to write a message to him or generally in your life maybe you're thinking what should I say when I meet someone who's just had a baby what do you say in English well here are a few ideas now this is extra content that you're getting here at the end of the episode so some things that you can say or write to congratulate someone when they've had a baby all right so when you actually meet someone so in spoken English in a sort of um uh one-to-one kind of situation um, you could say something like this. You could say, hey, congratulations, or congratulations on the new baby. Congratulations on the new baby. Hey, congratulations on the new baby. You must be delighted. You must be delighted. That's fantastic. I'm really happy for you. Okay, so congratulations on the new baby. You must be delighted. That's fantastic. I'm really happy for you. That's what you'd say. And here are some things you would write, or you could write in a card, because it's quite common in England. I don't know about in your country, but in England, it's common that when something like this happens, you send the person a card. Okay, and uh, so you could write messages like this. It could be wishing all the happiness to the new mum and dad. May life be especially sweet for you and your little baby, for example. Or you must be so happy wishing you happy moments with your little girl or boy. I'm really excited that your little baby has arrived safe and sound. Congratulations on this lovely news. And then finally, congratulations and welcome to the world of parenthood. May the little one be blessed with every happiness. Okay, so that was just a bit of extra stuff at the end of this episode, which you're getting free, of course. Um, of course you're getting it free. The whole thing's free. But anyway, I'm going to sh- I'm going to shut up. Yeah, I am going to shut up now and let the episode close properly. But I just wanted to let you know the baby's arrived and that's nice, isn't it? Yes, it is.